Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. We have started a new series a couple of weeks ago called How Do I Do That? And today we're starting a new faction of that. Like last week when we talked about how do I read the Bible, we had to answer a question before we get answer how do I read the Bible that influences that answer. And that question was, do I want it to have any impact on my life? That answer has a direct impact on how you and I read the Bible, doesn't it? Today's topic is not really much different. How do I pray is what we're talking about today. The answer to that very much depends on how effective we want our prayers to be. Right now, can you think of a person that seems to have a direct line to all things heavenly? You know, they pray for something and it actually happens. (laughs) God moves in their life. It's almost extraordinary. Recently, Addison and I attended a funeral together for one of her teammates. It was a tragic occasion. The father had died suddenly. So we went in support of the family and the student. It was said of the father by his business partners that anytime there was a big business deal brewing or trouble going on or anybody was sick or there was a tragedy in the midst, he called his mom all his adult life and asked her to pray. He was open about it. All his business partners knew he did this. He believed that this woman had some sort of special favor with God because when he asked her to pray, God not only listened, but acted on her behalf. You can probably think of someone that you know who is like that or maybe someone that you have heard of that is able to pray and experience incredible movements of God that are utterly unexplainable. Think of that person. What is it that makes their prayers so effective? Before we can answer the question, how do I pray? You and I must decide whether or not we want our prayers to be effective. Do we want the responsibility and the privilege to sit at the throne of the God of the universe, make our request, and have them answered? Or are we just messing around, bringing occasional wish list items to a Santa Claus-like deity, hoping that we've been good enough for him to grant us our heart's desire. We're familiar with James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's assume that the answer to our question, do I want my prayers to be effective, is yes. Yes, I want this. I want my prayers to be powerful and effective. I want more than the Santa Claus type deity. Well, please know that on the authority of scripture, grandma or whoever you could think of is not special in that her prayers are powerful and effective. This is not a privilege reserved for certain people or the super spiritual, the missionary, the mega pastors, or the sweet grandmas. There's a method to the madness. You, at your age, whatever age you are in this season, at your plot down the Christianity walk can experience it. And it can begin now. That is what I want to talk to you about today. Now, there's probably some things you've already picked up about prayer and maybe some misconceptions along the lines. For instance, praying before we eat. There might be some thinking 
that if you don't pray before your meal, you might get food poisoning or something bad is really going to happen to you because you didn't pray over your french fries. That might be a misconception you might need to give away. Also, you might think after hearing some people pray that saying, God, Father, Lord Jesus, all throughout the prayer where it's almost incoherent makes it more effective. That's probably a misconception. Also, if you can think of someone who you know that knows someone that you know and whose nephew has the chicken pox, if you list that in your Sunday school class as a prayer request, that makes you very close with the Lord. No, no, no. That's not what does it. Also, squeezing the hand when you're in a group has nothing to do with sealing the deal when you are praying. It just doesn't make the prayer any more effective. Also, praying out loud does not make it more effective. Praying in church does not make it more effective. These are things that we think. Also, if you pray in the King James language, it does not make your prayer more holy. It just makes it sound like it's from the King James. Finally, if you stretch out your prayer and fill it with all those filler words like just, like, and, it doesn't help. Just finish your prayer. It can be simple. All these things are misconceptions we have. We won't take these to heart because we can't trust that these are effective strategies. However, the Bible is full of strategies we can emulate and grasp as our own. It has much to teach us about prayer. It's all over the place and helpful for every emotion in every situation. But sometimes prayer can be difficult for us. Things, people, situations get in the way. There can be real barriers to prayer, such as past situations. Maybe you've had huge questions without answers. For instance, why did God allow X to happen? Why did God take so-and-so? Why was there this accident, this tragedy, this natural disaster? Those kind of questions and situations can bring you to a place where you've got a beef with the Lord. It causes a barrier between you and your ability to pray. Also, maybe you've tried it and God failed you. He did not come through for you with X. You asked for X, you prayed about X, and he didn't do it. And so you're done. That can be a barrier. And these can be very serious things that come in between us. You could have a little skepticism with the whole prayer thing. So you've been in church, you've heard people pray, you are just not going to believe it wholeheartedly for yourself. You might pray about something simple, but when it comes down to the real serious things in your life, you're just going to have a sense of skepticism mixed with distrust. All these things are barriers. I don't know your history or where you are on this. I can tell you I have been there. I have spent way too long and camped here for longer than I should have. Let me suggest you talk to someone. Talk to a godly someone who has walked a little ways down the Christianity road, who's qualified to give you good godly counsel on issues like this. Work through your pain. Work through your disappointment. Work through your discouragement. Often, there's more to it than we're talking about today. Give God the opportunity to be God. If you stay here, you will not experience all he desires for you. As clearly articulated in scripture, God has big plans for your life. You don't belong here in this ineffective place. It's enemy territory. And it's a place where you can grow ineffective, unaffected, 
a person who turns bitter and possibly leaves the church for good. It's happening every day. Ladies, it's enemy territory. Get out. The good news is there are strategies for effective prayer life. We can learn these things because God is responsive to his own. He knows his sheep those who have trusted him as Lord and Savior. We can learn things by reading scripture. One scripture we can go to, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, so I just want to give you a sampling, is Psalm 115, 1, where it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We need to remember to pray in humility. We also pray in reverence and dependency. The Lord gives us an example of how to pray in Luke 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. He's got a very much a reverence there. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. There's a dependency there. We can also go to 1 John 3, 22 through 24. We are called to pray as one who believes Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we can pray in obedience. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, this is verses 21 through 24, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him, and this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded. We can also go to Hebrews, where we learn something else. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We pray in boldness, not only in a reverence, not only in humility and believing, absolute dependency, but we can pray in boldness. 1 John 5.14 takes it another step. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We can pray confidently. Jesus says a little bit more about prayer after he gives us this model prayer in Luke 11. And he said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within. Do not bother me. The door is shut now and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. Pray through the unknown. Just keep praying through the unknowns. Be persistent. Pray, pray, pray. That is what God calls us to do. Now, there's more in there that we could talk about, but we've got places to go. Another place we could go is Philippians 4, 19 through 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
we can pray in absolute bankruptcy. We don't have to have anything together. We can just pray in absolute bankruptcy. Now, what does this look like on a regular basis? I can picture a couple of chairs set sort of knee to knee, drinking a cup of coffee. That's the picture that I have. It is daily. You're sitting on the porch. You're looking for your neighbor to come up and sit with you every single day. It's just what you're going to be doing. That's the picture that I have. John 10 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. That is not exactly the Santa Claus type deity relationship we sometimes misconstrue, but he is a good shepherd. He is a giving father. Charles Spurgeon says, God's way of giving is through our asking. I want to go to a story in the Bible I think teaches us about effective prayer. Because the story is in scripture twice, it struck me. It's about a girl going to her father, asking for something and how he responds to her request. God uses this father to child illustration with us from beginning to end. I don't think it's a far stretch to use it as a teaching point for how we can approach our Heavenly Father and what kind of response we can expect from Him. We don't really have time to do it justice, but I just want to sample the story with a few pertinent points. We're going to go to Joshua 15, 16 through 19. And this is about Caleb. And Caleb said, Whoever strikes Kiriath Sefer and captures it, to him I will give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured Captured it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This girl knows what she wants. Not only is it okay to approach your father with what you want, but it's essential. We need to be specific. There's a story that I read. There's an illustration that Charles Spurgeon gave in a sermon once about if you're a soldier and you're just like shooting your gun toward the enemy, just aimlessly, you're just barraging the bullets. You might get lucky and hit something. That's different than if you have a target in mind, you aim towards the target and you shoot at that. It's sort of the same thing. If God can give it to you, it's in his character. If it's in your best interest, he will. Charles Spurgeon also said, desires written in your heart by the Holy Spirit, will all of them be fulfilled. That is God's character and the way he wants to operate with his sheep. This girl in our story knows who she is and she approaches her father with confidence. I think that's important to understand and it's consistent with what we're taught about how to pray effectively. The other thing she does, which I find interesting, because to me it's counterintuitive, this girl asked for a blessing. She didn't just ask for sustenance, what she needed to get through the day to just barely make it. She asked for a blessing. Her dad receives her as a beloved daughter and says to her exactly what God has said to his own son in another place in scripture, what Jesus said to the blind man in scripture and what God asked Solomon in the Old Testament. So I think it's fair to say he likes to ask the question, what do you want? Her request is mixed with gratitude as she recognizes the first gift. I think that's important. So as you pray, you want to be thankful for what he has done for you and given you. 
but her request also makes sense. For the first gift to be truly fruitful, for it to be everything it could be, they needed a spring. They needed water. So she went to the person who could give it to her. He hears her request, gives it to her, not only what she asked for, but more and above. Now, why do you think Caleb does this? Why does he give her more than she asked for? He not only gave her one spring, he gave her another. We don't really know the answer. What we do know is that Caleb was found to be one of the few who sought God with all his heart. And this is his daughter whom he loves, who is asking him for an appropriate gift in the right way. Here, baby girl, take two. We don't really know why we have this story twice here and then again in Judges 1, but it is consistent with the picture of God the Father who gives to his children, much like we read about earlier. We also see this consistency in Ephesians 3 from Paul. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What this teaches us is that God wants us to ask He longs for you to come to him so that he can give. When you find he fulfills that request, go back and ask for more. That sounds counterintuitive and ungrateful, but that is how he wants us to respond, just like this girl did. Bring your incoherent sentences with your imperfections and not-so-figured-out selves before him. He has been waiting your whole life for you to do this. Don't make him wait any longer. This is his character. This girl didn't ask for anything that was outside or without the bounds of what he wanted to give her. Most of the time, if you're sitting with him daily, day to day, on the front porch, talking with him in prayer, your requests are going to line up with exactly what he wants to give you. I just finished reading George Mueller's autobiography. It's basically excerpts from his journal. George Mueller was sort of a scoundrel in the early days. He was a lousy kid who grew up to be a lousy young adult who lied, cheated, pretended to be something he was not, and was completely insincere. I wouldn't have liked him at all. But then God got a hold of his heart and transformed him. George Mueller moved to London, transformed and to pastor a very small church and decided for him it was only right not to take their money they offered him for a salary and to trust God to provide for his needs. Fast forward several years where he continued this exercise, but now he's got a wife. and more responsibilities. Reading the excerpts of him, you find that he's pouring out his heart and need to God, and God fulfills exactly what was needed when they needed it and not a minute earlier. In time, he developed an institute that helped educate young children through adults in the community And then he opened an orphanage. He started with one, then two, and then four houses. What would happen was that the need for daily necessities would exceed the resources that he had to provide those necessities time and time again. They would be calling out to God for their very basic needs, to the spiritual needs of the children, as well as the big picture needs of the ministry. Just everything. Many would criticize. Wouldn't it be more efficient if you would just take a salary so you wouldn't have to spend so much time praying about this and fighting for what you needed. And he would explain how this is where all battles are won. On the knees, 
before God, leaning and learning to depend on Him, absolutely bankrupt without Him in all things. Mueller wrote his journal so that people would not look at him like those people we identified in the beginning, as someone with a special hotline to God, that people would be able to read about his life and practice of calling on the Lord, how he did it, what he did, how simple it is, how unimpressive were his methods and unimpressive he himself was that anyone could look at it and conclude, I can do that. He practiced exactly this model. He had specific requests. He came in all the ways we determined one should to experience effective prayer. God met his needs. He did not make the man rich, but enabled him to feed, house, clothe, minister to a thousand children at one time on top of all the other things they were doing beyond that without a salary. No set resources coming in. He told no one of the needs. Only God coming through every time right on time. Mueller admits he would have never dreamed a dream that big. That's what I'm talking about. Do you want to live a life too great to dream, too effective to fathom, impacting more people for Christ than you could ever imagine? Pray. Just pray. This is how you do that. I can't wait to be with you next time on the She Yearns Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.